Hi everybody, this is part 16 in the marriage covenant between Christ and his church and also us with one another. And from part 1 to 15, we've looked at this relationship, this divine fellowship, this covenant between Christ and his church. And now from part 16 onwards, I want us to look at what it is to be in covenant with one another what it is for the purpose, God's divine purpose for this marriage covenant between a man and a woman. And I say a man and a woman because this is God's design. God is the creator of life. He's created everything. And we must follow his spiritual design if we want to be in his spiritual life and be able to live out and keep this covenant with one another just like we keep it with God, because it is a spiritual covenant. And only two people of the Spirit are able to keep God's design for marriage. And it is between a man and a woman. And so it is impossible for anyone else that is not of the Spirit to be able to keep the spiritual covenant. And this is one of the main reasons why we don't enter into covenant with non-followers. The Bible says, why do you take the things of Baal and bring them with the things of the Spirit? Why do you take the things of darkness and mix it with the things of the Spirit? You don't. And we do that ultimately because we lack wisdom, we lack insight, and we lack the revelation of the marriage covenant that Jesus has made with us and that he wants us to make with one another. And so it is essential. And just because we're talking about now a man and a woman, it doesn't make it any less spiritual than us and Jesus Christ. And I want to read out this other point to us, because just because we say that we are Christians, it doesn't mean that we actually live out God's purpose and God's design for our eternal marriages on earth between a man and a woman. It's just as spiritual, it's just as important as this covenant relationship between God and his church. So we need to look right at the beginning. If we want to understand the purpose for why God gave us this covenant between a man and a woman, we must look at the beginning, look at his first place position. And this is in Genesis 22, sorry, Genesis 2, 22 to 24. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. We can see from these verses and other verses God's clear intent for the marriage covenant between a man and a woman. Spiritual oneness is the goal. Oneness of mind, oneness of love, oneness of spirit, intent on the one purpose. The goal for spiritual oneness, the reason why God has given us the covenant between a man and a woman is that we would be one together. 
That is the reason. That is the ultimate reason is for spiritual oneness. And this is incredible when we look at the reasons why maybe we've taught that God has given us this marriage. Maybe it's for having babies, not having sex outside of marriage. Maybe it's just to establish your own little house, your own little home. But the reason is spiritual oneness, that the two are becoming one person. God takes these two people of flesh, these physical realities, and he wants to bring them into one being, one person. And I want to put a disclaimer in right here, uh, and I'm going to read this out. If you do not hear what I'm about to say through the Spirit, not only will you completely misunderstand what I say, but you will high likely disagree and write off what is God's truth. We are to become one flesh, one person, one being. We are no longer to be two independent individuals who are self-reliant, who remain as two complete people in their own rights, with their own ways, with their own thoughts, maintaining their own individuality and being proud of it. That is not who we are to be any longer when we enter into this covenant. We are to become one flesh, one being, one person in Christ. And as we know, that's the entire point, right? Is that our lives are to be hidden in Christ. So people no longer see us as individuals. They see the Christ in us through our divine oneness with him. Here's another point I want you to note, and I'm going to read this as well. If we have no reference for this position of oneness with Christ first, this deep spiritual fellowship with him where we have died and our life is hidden in Christ with God as Colossians 3, 3 declares, we will have no reference or understanding for this position of oneness with our spouse. And as I have said, possibly deny and reject this truth. There are two other two amazing dynamics that we can see from this passage of Genesis in relation to a covenant between a man and a woman and becoming one. And I want to talk about those. The first dynamic is that the woman is created and formed from the rib of man. In other words, the two have come out of the one. God puts Adam to sleep and performs the first inner surgery we see. And the father is into doing inner surgery. In fact, he has to do inner surgery to create oneness in us both. Because he's got to get the flesh out of us. He's got to get our humanity out of us so we can live heavenly, so we can live eternally. This is why our will needs to be crucified. Our mind needs to be renewed. And it's no longer do we live from our emotions. So God puts Adam to sleep. He performs a surgery and he takes from Adam one of Adam's ribs. And then he makes a second being called Eve. So we can see out of the one came the two. Eve's life was birthed from Adam. So out of Adam came Eve. We these see this profound instruction from heaven that the two now become one flesh. You see, it's 
heaven's pattern, that oneness permeates the entire purposes of God. So out of one came two, and then the two are to go back to being one. This is an incredible reality that God wants for every one of us in our fellowship with him and in our fellowship with one another. And then it just spills over into every other relationship that we are in with this oneness, whether that's our children, whether that's our friends, whether that's the body of Christ, disciples, and so on, and so on. And I want to suggest to us that this is a foreshadowing of the type of relation, uh, the reality that Jesus in giving up his life, where we see this one seed dying for the purposes of many seeds living. Let me read you John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, what's amazing is this instruction that God gives is that now what is two is now to become one again. As I've said, this is so life giving, especially when we see it through the lens of revelation and grasp the father's design for life. That out of the one came two, but then the two are to go back to being one. And only when you're in oneness can you understand the manifold, the many aspects of God. The second dynamic is because oneness of spirit, love, mind and purpose is God's purpose and design for marriage. Each married couple are to be raising their sons or daughters if they have them in this knowledge and understanding. So marriages live out this wisdom. A man shall leave his mother and father and be united in one. And so God wants to see marriages between a man and a woman for the purpose of oneness just multiplied, 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 generationally, generationally, generationally. So when a man leaves his mother and father and is looking for his wife, the wife and the husband already know the purpose of this wisdom of becoming one. Luke 7, 35 says, Yet wisdom is vindicated by her children. The children of God are able to demonstrate the wisdom of heaven through oneness. And when we look at Genesis 2, 22-24 and Ephesians 5, 22-33, we see the words, for this reason. A man shall leave his wife, um, sorry, a man shall leave his mother and father for this reason. What reason? We ask and as I've said, the reason is so they can be united in oneness. They're becoming spiritually one from the outset where they no longer live as individuals, but they are living as one unique couple in the spirit, allowing the wisdom of God to come through them. So this is the primary goal for every marriage in Christ. And we, if we are married, have to ask ourselves, did we understand this when we got married? Do we understand it now? As I said before, it's a bit sad that some of the reasons why we've given for marriage are having babies to populate the earth, physical intimacy, finding Mr. or Mrs. Right, being made complete, uh, looking for my lifelong partner that I can do life with. These are not the reasons why God has given us ultimately this marriage covenant with one another. Some of those things might come out of that, but they're not the reason for it. The purpose, as Scripture clearly declares, 
is for the purpose of spiritual transformation of oneness into the image of our Lord and Saviour. And really anything less than that then is to miss the mark of the primary purpose. If we're not hitting the mark of the primary purpose, then we're missing the mark. And we're missing the intent of why God gave us this beautiful covenant. So maybe this is the reason why Paul warns us in Corinthians about ensuring before we enter into this marriage covenant that we understand God's purpose for creating it. Paul warns us about the potential negative consequences and distractions and the challenges that come from entering into a covenant without this primary understanding of what it's about. And it's a decision that we make that potentially has the ability to rob us of this all-consuming and all-abundant life in Christ because we end up being bound up in one another. And we end up being bound up in the worries of the affairs of our husband or our wife rather than being devoted to Christ. So once again, there's nothing wrong with marriage. Obviously, God has given it. But if we don't understand God's eternal purpose, His main primary purpose for this, which is spiritual oneness, where you lose yourself and together you become one being in Christ. And from that, you multiply that reality and you teach that if you have children to your children. So then we get to see these marriages on earth that truly are heavenly. They truly are eternal. We were able to live out and keep this covenant design. So this is part number 16. Some questions maybe to ask yourself. How challenged and confronted are we from going through this part 16 resource? How much of your marriage is being formed, built and established on this purpose of oneness? What was or is your current understanding of God's purpose for marriage between a man and a woman? And what out of anything needs to be put in place today when it comes to your marriage covenant with your spouse. We'll look forward to unpacking part number 17 where we're going to look at the roles of the male and the female in this covenant called marriage. Take care and we'll see you soon. If you'd like to drop me a line, ask any questions, I'd love to hear from you.